Sunstrom Recruitment are the leaders in health and safety recruitment. If you're considering a career change or need to discuss your organisation's hiring, reach out to the team today. We were awarded Recruitment Agency of the Year in Health and Safety in 2023 and are a proud sponsor of Health and Safety Conversations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. Hi, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Bourne, and with me today is the wonderful Lockie Samuels. Lockie, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Very good. I almost choked on a bit of spit, as I was saying. I was trying to get the words out, and I was just running out of air. So (laughs) that was good that I managed to get the whole sentence out. Oh, dear. Well, thanks so much for your time, Lockie. For those who don't know you, and you are well known across safety circles, particularly here in WA, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing? Yeah, so I guess I ran away from NZ when I was young and ended up in a place called Kalgoorlie. Long story short, spent 10 or so years scaffolding and stumbled my way into sharing my story around my experience of mental health in FIFO and mining, which is just over the last five or six years and going through uh, different modalities of study and just learning and meeting people, turned into a job really unintentionally. Started with podcasting, speaking, sharing my story, and then now delivering mental health programs on mine sites. Yeah, excellent. Stereotyping, uh, i got to tell you. <laughs> Every, right. every every place I've been to, and I'd say scaffolding, they say, oh, the Kiwis for sure. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. That's It's the easiest job to get into, man, because you know someone. Like mining, I'm sure you know mining is about who you know, yeah, <laughs> not yeah, what yeah. you know. And yep. for people coming over from NZ, it's just easy because there's always a Kiwi in one of the companies who can get you a job. Yeah, fantastic. Speaking of which, I've got a, a lovely Kiwi lass who is a good friend of my wife and 
Never, never seemed like the FIFO state type, but she's now up at up in the Pilbara working with trains. And you go, mm, not sure you've got any background in that, but you've you've obviously know someone. So yeah, it is it is the honest truth. I used to get lots of people when they come and do you know studies for you know certificate four in health and safety, and they say, "How do I get into mining? And how do I get into mining? Will this get me into mining?" And you'd say it's at them at the end and say, oh, "I hate to tell you this, but it's it's." It's more about who you know than actually what you know. <laughs> and and people will give you a crack at a job if they know what you are and what you what you stand for, what your work ethic is, rather and you know, they'll they'll upskill you from there rather than you know, take someone with a, a wonderful piece of paper that they just don't have a clue whether they're gonna work in work out or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I remember being at a construction gig maybe 2012, 2013, four and one, and our German supervisor from Kalgoorlie started leading and hiring for that, and he picked all of us because he knew us, Mm. and you know most of us probably had one to four years of experience, and he was turning down people with scaffolding, Mm. rigging tickets, crane tickets, like 20 years experience just because he knew us all. Yeah, yeah has some interesting challenges and what was what was the old anachronism that they used to say it fit in or and or or basically disappear wasn't it Uh, yep fly off yeah that's it fly off fly off that's it (laughs) ah dear all right you're passionate about the FIFO industry and some of the challenges that people involved with it have why I guess it's just centered around my story in 20 well, 2009, I would have come over here as a 19-year-old to Kalgoorlie, so run away from all my baggage in Auckland, New Zealand, got caught out cheating on my partner with my best friend's partner. Mm. And so at the time, which is the thing I've been working on the most, is like character building and being a man of integrity. I had no integrity then, so I couldn't accept consequences for my actions. So instead of do that, I run away, found myself in Kalgoorlie, working making more money than I could ever make in NZ and found a partner. And then we got together and moved from Kalgoorlie to Perth. And so she ended up going through her own mental health challenges and, you know, threatening to harm herself unless I stopped and I couldn't see myself stopping. Instead, I took it as like, you're trying to manipulate me into leaving the thing I like. It's the brotherhood. It's the free gym, free food all that sort of stuff, cringe when I think about it now, but I didn't stop. And so she eventually attempted and then I went through my own journey with mental health while working at that four-in-one at Sino in Cape Preston. And so as a part of that, I got forced out of my job. It's no one's fault. We just didn't know what mental health was back then. I was just a really crap worker and treated everyone terribly. And then uh, fast forward, I spent a couple of years going in and out of FIFO and mining and then ended up at a place called Wheatstone to pay off some debt. And while I was up there, one of the one of the boys from the crew, he took his life. I got evacuated for being uh, suicidal myself. And then one of our really good friends up there took his life like three months later. So that's a lot in one hit, but that 
that period at Wheatstone, losing those guys and then going through my own battle and then on the backside having to go through therapy to figure out why I was such a narcissist, why I was so happy to hurt people and not take responsibility, that sort of led me to this position of starting a podcast, interviewing people about their stories to figure out what they did to better themselves as people. And as that journey's progressed, it's I've been nudged and nudged and nudged towards back towards FIFO and mining because that's where I like being. That's where most of my story is based and that's where most of my friends <laughs> still work. Yeah. Listen, I, I got to tell you, you've done some awfully good reflective thinking and, and, and soul searching. It, it takes a, a big person, Lockie, to, I don't know, admit we're not perfect and admit that we've got character flaws that we need to work on and stuff. So uh, congratulations, mate. Listen, the fact that you can talk about those things and, and suicides, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And the fact that you're able to talk about that, yeah, I, 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 my admiration for you has grown enormously in the last ten minutes. How's that? Oh, because, geez, man. because yeah, I did FIFO for a very short period of time, and some of the things that you spoke about ring a bell. I think they would ring a bell for most people who do fly in and fly out work. Four and one roster. Well, that no offense, that's that is the crap roster. <laughs> I'd suggest. Yeah. Luckily, there's not a lot of those sort of rosters around anymore. And there seems to be a bit of emphasis on working out that, you know, people do have a life outside the mines and or resources. And, you know, if you don't take care of your people, they don't come back eventually, one way or another. One of the cool things that I've seen, because I used to have the belief, like, if you can't do four and one, then you're just soft. Or if you can't do three and one, you're soft. And I ended up becoming those one of those people. Mm. <laughs> and so in in watching what's happened with FMG, especially the Chichester hub going from two and one, because my first visit there in 2021, that was their biggest issue is people were struggling with two and one because they'd been transitioned from eight and six, I think it was, or one and one to, to two and one rosters. And they pushed really hard to get even time and they finally did even time in 2022 and going back at the back end of last year and this year, I have people like constantly coming to me for one-on-one conversations who say that the change from two and one to two and two has completely transformed like their life, their relationship with their kids, their relationship with their partner. And they're coming back to work feeling rested and ready to work rather than, like, oh, damn, <laughs> damn, I have to fly back. When's this week going to be over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, look, I, I don't think my version of FIFO is any different from anyone else's. So, but what, you know it yourself, but what are, what, are, what are some of the challenges that the people you speak to in the FIFO industry, what, what makes it unique and what are those challenges there that people face? I think what makes it unique is the isolation. That's a massive one. Just being away from family and for for most people, their family would fulfill a lot of their human needs like love, contribution, all that sort of thing. And so when you're so detached from that and you're in a place where there's no 
clear line between like your working day and the time you get to relax because you, you know, you spend breakfast with the crew, you get on the bus and go to work with them, you have smoko, lunch, and then you get on the bus, go home, go gym with them, play basketball, whatever, and then you have dinner with them and it's, it becomes this hamster wheel where there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of people. Mm. And especially if you can't, which is the the big thing in mining, people can't regulate their stress yeah, because they haven't been taught how to and they don't really understand that they can. They just feel like, damn, I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm not getting my stuff done quick enough. <laughs> and so that isolation leads to a, a whole lot of these issues where people are either on one side blowing up doing dumb stuff injuring themselves turning up to work with pres- presenteeism or on the other side just totally shutting down and isolating themselves and you know both of those really impact the culture within a team um, and if you diminish the trust even just with one not bad egg but one person who's going through stuff that they don't know how to deal with that'll have this like flow on knock on effect to everyone in the team. And ultimately the supervisor is going to be responsible for sorting that. And if you've got supervisors who are avoidant in terms of hard conversations, because that that's one of the surprising things that I've found recently is that quite a few supervisors don't like disciplining people and mm. shy away from that conversation and just allow bad behavior to continue within the team hoping that it'll sort itself out. Yeah, and it doesn't. It tends to just fester and get worse until you know, there's there's some something that pops out which really they have to take action with. But by then it's actually can lead to some pretty dramatic actions for individuals as well. Now, what could we do to actually help our people because let's be honest someone said to me the other day i think it's true that everyone in everyone in western australia is either a fifo worker or knows a fifo worker either in their immediate group of family or friends and i went and thought about it and went yeah, you're probably right and some of the areas i've been working in and that you've got a lot of people who basically their partners in perth or in the suburbs around perth and yeah, they're they're off for extended periods of time. How do we how do we actually or what can we actually do to help FIFO workers cope with that sort of isolation and that you know the feelings of not being in touch with their community? I think uh, in some some companies and sites. I just went to a site where Sodexo was running the camp and they're doing a really good job of engaging people and doing activities that people actually want to take part in mm-hmm. <laughs> like quiz nights down at the bar about topics that have some sort of relevance to them. Yep. But I think having ensuring that the camps have those facilities like the cricket nets, all of that sort of stuff, the pools, the gym and the HLCs engaging people at camp, at least then there's space for connection, competition, just play having fun because I think without the balance of like play and fun a two-week roster gets pretty monotonous pretty fast and that's where people begin to feel what I in my opinion anyway begin to feel a sense of hopelessness because it's like far out 
this whole two weeks is going to be the same. I'm not going to have any fun. I've just got to wait until my break. And then that's, that's when people tend to fly off the handle and, you know, do things that they shouldn't do on their break and don't actually rest because they're too busy trying to balance that stuff out. But on the other side, I think if we could help people in relationships identify their needs and communicate well, communicate well with their partners, that would solve a lot of the issues that are happening on site because that's probably one of the biggest ones, especially at a leadership level because leaders, and they tend to say this quite a lot, I don't bring my personal life to work. It's like, well, you can say that, but if you're not bringing it to work, all you're doing is trying to suffocate it as best you can while you're here mm. <laughs> and cope until you get home and then yeah. you're going to deal with it. So yeah, helping people with that relationship stuff is massive, especially when it comes to avoidance because I'm sure you've seen that yourself. It's the, the tendency for a guy to miss a call that he's agreed to get on at night mm. after work because he's gone to the pub and then the missus is angry and he's like, oh shit, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to ignore the texts and the calls and then it's the next day when he wakes up. It's like, man, problem's still there. How long are you going to avoid your partner instead yeah. of just saying, oh, man, I stuffed up. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does happen. It does happen. Luckily, these days, we do have in a lot of camps at least, well, relatively stable means of communications with the outside world. I've I've been at sites where there's virtually no reception with you're talking about one area of the camp was the size of a postage stamp uh, where you could get reception and you see you know, <laughs> dozens of people at the end of shift trying to get on this one little piece of land so that they can call home. And you've got partners there who, if you don't make that call or that, just assume that you've stopped caring, you've forgotten about them, you've done all these things, which you just don't. And so things like that with the frustration would just build. And that was one of the things I found at the FIFO industry. If you started to get frustrated you, you, and you didn't have good mechanisms to uh, release that frustration, yeah, you, you're painting a, a pretty dismal lifestyle for yourself while you're away. And, and it can build, I think. And Yeah. And I don't think people realize how easy it is to shed some of that built up tension or stress. You know, it's people think they have to go and get really drunk or they have mm. to go and speak to a psychologist. No, it's like as simple as doing one minute of breathing and you can literally change your physiological state. It's, it's such a good practice to have in terms of like de-escalating or down-regulating your nervous system. It's, it's awesome and it's easy. It's just most people don't understand that. Yeah. So I often hear from people that I've heard other people who have never done FIFO work call them. They, they call these people civilians. They say FIFO workers get paid, a, let's be honest, a shitload of money. You know, why do they get paid so much? Uh, tell me, why do they get paid so much? Because I know you and I know differently. Yeah, well, I think... They get paid, a lot of them get paid so much because they're doing high-risk work. That, that'd that be number one. Obviously, not all people in high-risk work get paid the same, especially if you're with a labor hire company. Seems to yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> you get reamed. 
yep. in terms of your pay, but I'd say high risk work and then just the the fact that you're being taken away from your family and literally spending, you know, half plus of your year of your life in that period of time with the company is I guess the the remuneration for that. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty easy one to understand. It's just some people some people have such a poor relationship with money that they don't yeah, that they have a really negative opinion about FIFO workers, especially when you got the stereotype about the FIFO worker buying the buying the Land Cruiser, buying the camper van, buying the jet ski, which is all true. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. all true. But yeah, but it's definitely I think people they deserve the pay that they get. We yeah. just definitely need to teach them how to use their money better, so they're not stuck in that cycle. Yeah, I absolutely agree. The one thing I, I I try and get people to understand is that if you work in Perth and you do a Monday to Friday job, you're working roughly 38 hours a week. You do FIFO, you're doing 84 hours a week. You wonder why they get paid more. Hmm. Because if <laughs> yeah. you look at it at an hourly rate and, you know, they, they're not getting an awful lot, really, really. So the, the disparity... Yep is there but not for the hours they work and that's a very good point (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah so one of the things with fifo workers that particularly ones who are starting out struggle with is fatigue you know because you're working long hours then you're coming back the temptation is that you you've only got 12 hours now you've got to communicate with your family you've got to go of course you've got to go and eat you've got to go and do something to burn off a bit of energy and, and get some stress out of it. And you can end up building up a sleep deficit that just doesn't go away. Yep. Any ideas on how do we teach our people to, you know, value the sleep while they're away so they're not just zombies after the first five days? I think the easiest way is to have some sort of sleep tracker. I think that's the that's the way that I found out that my quality of sleep was poor. And so I was the person who, when we worked construction, we all, it was like a badge of honor for all of us to see who could sleep the least and work the hardest. And it was like, you know, four to five hours for most of us of sleep a night, going to the gym early, going to the gym late. And so we didn't understand the impact. Plus we could buy a lot of alcohol at that point, whereas now it's like four mid strengths. (laughs) So that helps. Uh, but for someone who's stepping into the industry, get a sleep tracker because it'll tell you how much you're shifting throughout the night. Uh, and then a really important one that I think is overlooked, although speaking to Rio last week, they were talking about how they test their people for sleep apnea. I've recently been tested and realized that I've got severe sleep apnea, like waking 56 times an hour, mm. which... I'm just like, holy moly, how do I even feel okay throughout the day? And that has a massive impact on my testosterone, on my mood, probably contributed a lot to the depressive episodes I've had. So for someone stepping into that space, testing that and finding out, shit, am I getting enough regenerative sleep so that in the morning I feel okay enough to go again for 12 hours, especially if you're like a driller's offsider or someone who's new to scaffing and you have to lug all the gear. Yep, yep. I noticed you said, okay, it didn't say fresh. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I think it's going to be a case of getting used <laughs> to yeah, working yeah. hard. I don't think you're ever going to feel fresh if you're working hard 12 hours and then, nah. yeah, trying to sleep at camp. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those things that people don't also understand is the accommodation at camp, it varies, doesn't it? You can have the ones where the air conditioning is is running at something like 30 or 40 decibels while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> you can have the ones where you've got the lights right outside your room and short of foiling up the whole windows, you're not going to get sleep at all. And then you've got your your lovely talkative neighbours that love to talk or do whatever else which creates noise. And, and, and it's not like you can go and, I don't know, solve the problem yourself there, is it? No, not at all. And now the position I'm in, because I bounce around different sites for like two or three days a week, I'm always in those <laughs> those <laughs> older rooms that were there when they first started the camp, you know. So the last room I was actually in, uh, I remember calling my partner and I was like, oh, I'm calling you on the way back to my room because my walls are paper thin and yep. <laughs> I can hear the guy hooking up phlegm like every oh, 30 yeah. seconds, you know? So <laughs> I'm going to call you now so that I don't have to talk to you while he can hear me. Yeah. Sleep apnea, my friend, something that needs to be sorted out because I, I got diagnosed with it about 20 years ago. And at that stage they were saying, you need to get one of these big Darth Vader masks <laughs> You know, do the whole sound of him breathing at night, and I resisted that. And look, the only my only my only suggestion, and I know it's a terrible one for because I it's the only thing I found that worked. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was... I lost weight. I lost about 20 kilos and my sleep apnea has basically vanished. I was just heavy around the throat and was restricting my breathing if I lay certain ways. And that the alternative is with sleep apnea is you talk about waking yourself up. The alternative is you don't wake up because <laughs> yep. you just stop breathing. That's the scary but honest truth of it. The two things I found on camp that basically meant whether that was a happy camp or an unhappy camp besides obviously getting paid on time, was the accommodation, the quality of the accommodation and the quality of the food. Are they still the main things? Yeah, I think it, it definitely plays a massive role. I've noticed even if I'm if I'm put in one of those older rooms that hasn't been looked after well, it's got like mould on the ceiling in the bathroom and you know, all this built up dirt and gunk in the corners <laughs> of the rooms. 
then it's just like not a nice place to go back to. So I want to spend as little time in that room as possible where, whereas that should probably be your space to like wind down. Mm-hmm. So that, that definitely, definitely plays a part. And that's the thing that people complain about the most, I'd say second to the food. And I'm sure, you know, if you know, Pfeiffer workers, there's always going to be someone who's complaining about the food, oh, even yeah. if everyone else says it's good. So I think it's just dependent on on the budget. I think it's dependent on the chef that you have on your swing or who's on the swing and who's the better chef. And with, I guess, with these like hospo companies competing against each other, it's like the the more they drop their offer to the client, the less money they're going to have in the budget to put towards that food. So, I mean, we've already seen it with a lot of those hospo companies paying low wages for HLCs and things like that makes sense that, you know, if they cut their offer (laughs) or drop it to get the contract, then they're going to have to drop it for the food as well. Yeah. 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 I won't tell you where I was working, but I was working remotely. We'll say that working remotely and doing night shift. I I, I used to love night shift because there's no big bosses around and you can basically get stuff done. Maybe not the right way, but the quickest way and the most effective way. But anyhow, like night shift, every night we used to get the same meal and it was boiled rice, no flavor, just boiled rice and two not not cooked in the oven, but boiled chicken drumsticks. Ah, try, try. Was this prison? Was, <laughs> was that working yeah. remotely? <laughs> oh, it's not far off it. It's not far off it. Uh, but yeah, it was just like, you're kidding me. This is day in and day out. And I was just like, what no. sort of budget are you guys working on? Because it's not coming in the food, I'll tell you now. We, Sounds like a bodybuilder's diet. Oh, we used to. <laughs> We used to basically eventually feed feed the, feed the local cats most of the drumsticks because you know it's just inedible after a while. But I've seen some absolutely fabulous food on camps too. One camp out in Western Queensland, we had a Chinese night every Friday night, and every I think a Tuesday night was a seafood night where they truck inverted commas fresh seafood in. But things like that used to actually lift the morale of people because it gave them something to look forward to at the end of the day as opposed to it's the same old crap day in and day out, which is quite depressing. Yeah, well, that was the big thing for us. For most sites, it's like fish and chip Fridays, everyone's up and about. And then when we're at Wheatstone, on Sunday mornings, they had Eggs Benedict. And so they just had like all these muffins with hollandaise and eggs and stuff on it. And that was what prepped us up, (laughs) especially (laughs) working through the weekend. So definitely makes a difference, I think. For the most part, though, like the food, the food's probably good. It's just a case of for most places, people like variety. Mm. <laughs> and if people don't like that routine and getting stuck eating the same thing, or a lot of people anyway, don't like getting stuck eating the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. i got to tell you, I, I, I grew up in a fairly poor household, my friend, and uh, food sometimes was fairly scarce. So, you know, the first... I don't know, the first year or so I was doing FIFO, you'd go out to these places and there'd be like 12 different types of food. And I I felt obliged every night to try each of the 12 different types of food. And I had plates this big. I'd go away. I'd go away for two weeks and I'd come back with a kilo and a half on. It was just like, 
because you know no one had actually taught me that you don't need to try you don't need to have all that food all the time and you know be same for lunches i'd pack everything in just in case and then i'd feel obliged i had to eat it because you know you don't waste food <laughs> yep yeah and then you got the free pies and sausage rolls oh yeah have you is it is it still the case that there's always someone in a crew that will basically go and hoard all the pies in their room or go with the cookies or something, and they'll just basically take all the biscuits back to their room and that, and just hoard them. Because we used to there see are, them. There are people like that. Yeah, we would. Most most places that you'd have that person, but they bring it into onto site yeah. so that it's in the freeze. Because most places have freezers, so you just stock all your pies, all the pies that everyone likes, the bacon cheese ones, I think, is the Irvine's ones or Mrs. Max that everyone like stocking up and so you'll see those people bringing in bags of those to put in the freezer yeah 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 no it's always good all right mm. when you go public speaking how hard was it to you to start publicly speaking about your story to start with and then just some of the challenges that the average fifo worker faces I think with that, I got like a trial by fire, essentially. So I learned very quickly that it wasn't going to be a smooth ride and everyone was going to be supportive. Because the first time I actually told my story was, I think, with Seven News or something like that. And they they posted it. They did the video, did it on the news, and then put it on Facebook as well. And like the the reaction to that was not good. <laughs> <laughs> the, this this guy who's a scaffy who's talking about suicide and how FIFO was hard and the way media painted it was that, you know, I'm saying FIFO was hard as a whole. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I got people reaching out, telling me I was a snowflake, telling me that I should have <laughs> kill, killed myself. Oh, I was like, no. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, man, this sucks. <laughs> and so I, I, learned, I learned very quickly how to, like, let go of those negative opinions or just allow them to bounce off and not take them on. Otherwise I just would have been like catatonic and fetal position. Yeah. <laughs> but as speaking itself and telling the story, I think over time as I've worked through a lot of the stuff from my childhood and I've worked through a lot of the stuff that's happened in FIFO um, through therapy and different modalities, it's got easier and easier and easier to tell the story. And I've told it so much that it, has no emotional impact mm. on me anymore, which is like really freeing in terms of not having an energy dump from being in your own emotional low. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of therapy, um, look, to be honest, I'm, 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 I'm fairly old. You might have guessed that, Lockie, but there, there is for people my age and even some people who are younger, a, a real stigma about going to get help how do we go about changing it? I, I got to say, it is for me. I still think of therapy as weakness, as in you're broken, as there's something wrong with you. I, I try and be smarter about it, but I, I still find if for myself, and I, I do have my own problems, I can tell you now, and some people have suggested I go and get therapy, that my, my normal reaction is no way. I'm never going to do that. How do yeah, we? Well, how, you're not alone, right, with that, the view of, it being weakness because that's most people i mean until you in a position where you 
finally take the leap and engage someone like an EAP provider, a psychologist or your site chaplain, and you have a good experience, you don't understand the difference between what you perceive it to be based on what the the notion is or collective notion is versus reality. It's really just talking to someone who can guide you to your own answers. That's That's pretty much it. And sometimes we just need that third person perspective to get the stuff that's in our head out of our head so we can sort of filter through, okay, what's real? What am I making up? Because I have these like different belief systems or beliefs about myself, especially limiting ones, like I'm not enough or I need to do X, Y, and Z to prove that I'm good enough. What's real and tangible? And then what is just based on these belief systems and me trying to prove those true? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of EAP, is there much in terms of support that employers give to workers' mental health while they're on site? I mean, there are companies that have the chaplains, there are the EAP providers, which have low usage rates. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, a lot of that at the moment is due to just demand and companies not being able to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. We we started one with Therapy Focus um, when I was partnered with a business called FIFO Happiness. We started a, a FIFO-led and run EAP service mm-hmm. as a test, as a trial. And, you know, what we realized is that the wait times of all these different companies were three, four, up to six weeks. So if you think about the person who's just found the courage to say, shit, I need help. And they've called this phone line and all of a sudden they got to wait two, three, four, six weeks. <laughs> that that puts them off of the service and then puts other people off of the service because they're now talking about it like shit, I called and you know, they didn't help me or they let me down. And a lot of people who are in that position, if we feel let down, we're gonna talk about it. So I think in terms of that, what what they're giving to the to the company and to the people that's going to increase just with the regulations that have come in place. But I don't know too many companies that have identified, okay, cool. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. And then this is our path of action. I don't think too many places have done that quite yet because that responsibility has been put onto the health and safety teams or the HR teams who haven't really dealt with engaging well-being companies or mental health companies for this sort of thing. So it's really going to be a period of testing, really. Yeah. Any sort of government initiatives that are aimed to help out businesses and the workers who are actually doing this work? There's a government initiative. I think they put a couple million into funding a few different companies. It's called Mars. And I know there are companies like FIFO Focus who are awesome, run by two amazing ladies here in Perth who are doing good work. It's mostly been based on creating workshops for people from FIFO to come and do in Perth. I'm not too sure of like the scale, the scope or the reach of those programs as yet, but I'm sure we'll hear more as it comes out. And then there's another one, I think Lifeline set up with the Chamber of Minerals and Energy with their rolling out peer support systems, which seem to be doing well. 
seem to be going really well. And in terms of peer support, I think probably just need a few tweaks to make it relevant just to FIFO. Yeah, cool. Interesting you talk about FIFO focus. I spoke to a lovely Sandra from them the other day. I asked her a question. I'm going to ask you the same question. I won't tell you her answer until I know your answer. Is the FIFO lifestyle for everyone? No, no, not at all. I think where people tend to get tripped up is there are a couple of places, but two that come to mind immediately are the people who are running from like financial strife or they've been in a position where they haven't really had money and they're running towards the money and the high ticket salary, especially throughout that COVID period where, you know, they couldn't get East Coasters. So a lot of people were bumping up their pays and advertising the pay. Mm-hmm. Those people tend to struggle because you go into it and Matt Hearn, who works with FIFO Focus on the, the financial side of things, would probably have a better understanding. But if you're going into it with that perspective, you're running towards money because you believe money is going to make you feel whatever you want to feel, validated, worthy, enough, whatever, and you get into that position and you're you're going to be more likely just to spend that money in the way that you spent money in the past that's led to you know the current financial position so that's where people struggle and then people with young kids seem to struggle the most it's like yeah i understand you want to set yourself up well and you want to set your kids up and get a house and get ahead but you really have to weigh up the fact that you're going to be away for like two weeks at a time especially if you've got a baby you're going to have to come back every time and adjust to them not knowing who you are or being standoffish, which is something that I went through with my kid as well. And it's not a good experience. So just weighing that up and, you know, the impact that has on them, but then also you being away because a lot of people in that position struggle, try to make it work because they made that decision and it's not until they burn out or do something stupid something that they regret that they're like, okay, cool. I need to step away from FIFO. So people in those positions, like FIFO is always going to be there. Hmm. The Australian economy is reliant on mining and these jobs are always going to be here. But that time with your family, that time to like have space to yourself isn't. So, you know, step in. If it's not for you, step back for a little bit. At some point in the future, you might be at a different life cycle where you can step back in and it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really good advice. It's I I don't I don't think it's for everyone either. I know it took a, a wake up call from my family before I I won't say pulled my head in, but reevaluated what was going on. And yeah, I, I think that's does happen. And eventually, you, you, you're right when you talk about your story and you start to think that people are trying to take away from you what you actually like doing. Yeah, that those thoughts are common, and it's not until you actually take a step away and you 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 look and go, oh, geez, what have I done to these people, <laughs> these good people that I care about? But yeah, certainly, I don't I think, think it's the, the trapper's identity in that. Right, is for a lot of people, they'll go into a role, and it's the money, it's the fact that you're working FIFO. And it's different to most of the people that you know, especially if you're a hard worker and you get a lot of validation or sense of self-worth from the role that you do, especially being 
in a place where you can focus solely on your job and doing it well, then like you build this identity and this persona around who you are and what you do. And that's hard to let go of. I'm sure you know the person who was good at sports when you were younger, who's yep. still finding it hard to let go of the fact that they were this person. If they didn't injure their knee, they would have been a footy star. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's the same with building that identity around our, our jobs as FIFO workers. Golden handcuffs. <laughs> yep. Is that a real problem? Yeah, it is, man. I, and I think that's that's self-inflicted, right? It's not golden handcuffs because the company's done X, Y, or Z to us. It's because if we put ourselves in a position to make that money, then we haven't used that money well to put ourselves in a position to eventually leave. That's the thing is that people seem to make more money and then spend more money. Especially, you know, what I see in FIFO is people spending money to make up for the time that they're away, buying like the Land Cruiser, the 300 series, buying the camper van, because it's like, oh yeah, now when I'm home, we can go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you just put yourself in like a hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars more debt yeah, <laughs> that yeah, you're yeah. gonna have to pay off by working FIFO. I will so buy really help you. <laughs> I will buy my family's happiness somehow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's true. And the thing I find also is that a lot of people, you would have gone when you were fairly young, as I said, 19, into the resource industry, you're getting swamped with money that you've never even thought about before. All of a sudden, you're getting all this money. You might not get any sort of financial counselling in that. And so you do start spending as if this money is going to be there always. and mining as much as we're where we are doing all right at the moment being old i've actually seen a few mining booms come and go it's a cyclical type of thing and you have your your boom times but there's also the bust times and if you've spent all your money on buying mcmansions the latest cars and all the accessories and you've built up this wonderful lifestyle you might be in for a rude shock when either life takes it away from you or the resource industry goes in through a, a down period. Yeah, well, it's inevitable, right? It's, yeah. The highs always have to be followed by the lows. So I think in in those positions, you know, the companies are getting really good at bringing in people to help with the financial side of things. But I know so many people who are just like I was, afraid to even look at their tax returns because it's like, fuck, well, I don't, I don't know anything about this sort of stuff and what I can claim. So I'm just going to avoid it. Yeah. But yep. if you avoid money, it's going to avoid you, you know? So. Yeah. 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 All right. Can I ask an interesting question? There's been a lot of talk in the media about, let's say gender-based, we'll call it issues on FIFO sites. Are they as bad and as, prevalent as what the media would make it out to be? I would say yes, like absolutely. It's there. It just hasn't been spoken about before. It's, you know, in most places, because we could, it was mostly guys and we could treat guys however we wanted. It's like that behavior has filtered down to women as they're bringing in the quotas for, for women and that diversity. And we haven't really taught men although you know we should know 
how to change the behavior, how to change the way that they show up around women so that we're not treating them disrespectfully like we would men, right? And so there, there definitely would be that sort of stuff. It's definitely prevalent. There's a lot of it. It just now there's a light on it. Now there are the regulations coming in place. So I think people who are doing it and who have been getting away with it for whatever reason are probably going to be put under the pump in the coming years as we highlight it more and more and more and we bring more women into mining, especially into leadership roles. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Speaking to a lady who runs Women in Safety, Alana Ball, last year, I was speaking to her and she said, the quotas don't really solve it. If you're not addressing the behaviour, all you're doing is bringing more women on to be exposed to the same stuff that only a few used to be exposed to. And I went, oh, yeah. I, I see a place for quotas because, you know, it's making it more diverse workplace and et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, I think you know, teaching people, I don't know, if nothing else, the legalities of, of their behaviour, let alone the consequences of lack of respect, that might be a place to start firstly. Before, yeah, uh, I think one of the things that we're definitely getting wrong with this and I've seen this quite a bit and it it actually, it actually shocked me because I was like, why the heck, as someone hiring, as a leader hiring, would you say this to a candidate? Because there's this quota and they're hiring more women, they might hire a woman for a supervisor role or leadership role, put her in that place, but then tell the other candidate who's been working there full-time as well as a step-up leader, hey, man, you were the best person for the job, but we've got to hire a woman and so it's like well if you're gonna tell him that he's gonna be upset mm. and he's gonna undermine her leadership and tell everyone else and then no one's gonna really respect her so yep. what are you actually doing in that position yeah. <laughs> you're setting her up for failure that's exactly right setting up for failure white handing gaslighting whatever you want to do it it's 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 pretty much the same thing yeah and i agree 100 percent. all right Lockie, i'm I think time is calling, so we might call it quiz day. I really do appreciate your help, and I really do appreciate what you're doing for the FIFO community and for coming on today and, and sharing some of your wisdom, mate. So thanks very much, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Oh, cheers, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Do you have a story to tell about health and safety? Something that you've learned, experienced, or witnessed? Something that you think could help others? Health and Safety Conversations is a podcast that amplifies the voices of people from all walks of life, sharing their stories and experiences about health and safety. We're now taking bookings for recordings for season four, which begins next year. Whether you're a worker, manager, safety professional, or someone who's been personally impacted by a health and safety incident, we want to hear from you. Your story could help to make a difference in someone else's life. To book a recording, visit our website or send us an email. We look forward to speaking with you soon.